What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Three Things Podcast. Super pumped to have one of the OG guests, his third episode, John Moljo, the founder of Team Moljo Strength Conditioning out in Shrub Oak, New York. So if you're in the Shrub Oak area, and I, I don't know if it's upstate or downstate at this point, um, it's about 45 minutes north of the city um, in Putnam Valley, Westchester County. Um, you guys should check out his gym. It's doing great things down there. And we go real deep in this episode about hiring, hiring strategy, and just kind of the different things on the business end that John's doing with Team Moljo. Uh, I hope you enjoy it because uh, John is probably my best friend in the whole wide world. And uh, him and I have a lot of fun together. So I'm super pumped that we could record this conversation and share it with you. Okay, I'm just going to shut up now and I'm going to let you guys listen to the episode of The Three Things featuring John Moljo. Okay, brief intro, John Moljo, third episode. If you haven't heard the first or second, you probably should. I think your first episode is like a top three most downloaded um, episode. I'm not number one anymore? No, Lisa Bunn is like, I've got uh-huh. like a hundred download head start. Like, I don't know, hers, hers is like crushing. And then Lisa Zach Bunn. Gabor. Um, so does that mean me and Lisa Bunn, can have like a, we could have like a menage podcast with you? Like we we could probably make that. I'm sure Bun would do that. Let's go. Um, her and I have always talked about doing a second one. She's off in grad school now, saving the world. Shout out Lisa Bun if you listen to this. Oh, right there. Uh, but we totally should. We totally should. You definitely are the, the most recurring guest on the show, though, and rightfully yeah. deserved. I signed um, a residency contract with the I know. I think I, I'm definitely, I mean, I put it up, it gets like 100 downloads in 24 hours. So I know people are probably listening to that being like, what? But like, Whatever you know, Barstool Sports will do like seven hundred thousand in a day. But that's I'll, right. I'll you, stick got, with my, you got to start somewhere, baby. That's what I'm, yeah, exactly. Can't be seven hundred thousand if you don't start at a hundred first. So I do want to talk, and I was actually thinking about this this morning, and it's something that I presented about at the Lab Consultants Business and Networking Seminar. But I wanted to get your stance on this when it comes to hiring, because that was something that really. I don't know. It didn't shock me, but like when I first talked, you're like, yeah, we're up to like however many trainers you've got now at team Moljo. Like it's, it's grown a lot. And by doing that, you know, hiring is always a, typically a challenge, whether it be finding good people, finding talented people, keeping good people, whatever it might be. Kind of give me a little run through as to what your hiring process looks like. So the hiring process has been, I've gotten very lucky in the aspect that majority of my key staff were either clients of mine for a long time um, or who I knew to a certain extent via high school, knew just because they were a local professional. So I had an existing relationship with, let's say, 99% of the staff that that I've ever had. Um, You know, one of the... You know, my manager, Nicole, she was a client of mine for a long time. Uh, Our strongest coach right now, Katie, um, she's been here for the longest. She went to high school uh, with me. So we, you know, had in a previous relationship, we've known each other. I know she's been in the industry. She was from the community where I opened our first facility. 
So I knew she would be an awesome fit. So her and I worked out very well together. Uh, another one of my coaches, Raheem, he was actually an athlete that I coached um, for years and trained for years. And then once he graduated college, I kind of just offered him a position, said he'd be a good fit. Um, that's worked out well. Um, you know, so everyone to a certain extent has, I've had some type of previous relationship with, with the exception of one coach, Steve, who came as a referral from one of our coaches. Um, but when, when I bring them on board, when I brought on Raheem, when I brought on Steve, um, when I bring on new coaches, we have, you know, I have a 90 day on, onboarding process, right? As a small business, it's like hiring people. And I think probably in any business, whether large or small is going to make or break um, your success, right? You have to have good people. Like, you know, a business doesn't build itself. You have to build people up and then the people are going to build your business, which is why it's super important to have the right people in the right place as a small business. Um, so for me, like uh, a phone interview doesn't tell me enough about a person um, and as to whether or not they're going to be a good fit for the company, but also whether or not the company is going to be a good fit for them. So we do have a 90 day onboarding process. The first 30 days, it, it will start with like a phone call then we'll do like a face to face. Um, and then it's a 90 day onboarding process. The first 30 days, um, everything is unpaid. You know, they're, they're going to be attending staff meetings. They're going to be attending classes, getting, getting a perspective of the business from the client's end. Right. So experiencing what our members experience and whether or not they, they enjoy it or whether or not they can buy into it and actually be an advocate for what we're offering. Um, it'll involve, you know, individual coaching sessions with myself and, and the new hire. Um, and they'll have like a, a curriculum. We need you to know the mission statement. We need you to know the core values. We need you to know our offerings. We need you to know all of these things. Um, and then after 30 days, the next 60 days will be, will be paid. Well, they'll maybe be, be shadowing a class paid, instructing a class paid. Um, they'll be open to take on clients. And in, in those 60 days, we have metrics for them to hit. This is where um, our expectations are for you to be in order to hit these metrics. This is what we need to be doing. And again, it's, it's me spending a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with that new hire, but also that, that new hire spending a lot of time within the company, within the business, around the team, around the staff. And then after 90 days, it's a simple, hey, how'd the last 90 days go for you? I think things have gone incredibly well. I think you're a great fit. Everyone on the team enjoys you. All of our members enjoy you. Um, you know, we'd like to have you here for the long term, but also gives them the opportunity to say, hey, wow, I've spent 90 days here. And I think after 90 days, they'll know whether or not they've enjoyed, whether or not um, they see a future, they see a career, they see themselves being able to be successful in this environment. Um, so it's, you know, just doing due diligence and getting to know people before you kind of allow them um, to represent your business, especially, you know, when you want to protect everything that the entire team has created. So we're at a point where we're just looking to develop people who are already involved. So some of our student athletes, if, if they mention wanting to pursue fitness as a career, as they mentioned, wanting to pursue business as a career, um, you know, we'll, we'll try and set up some type of internship with them and slowly start to develop them while they're in high school, develop them while they're in college. And, you know, hopefully when they're done, they're, they're kind of easy, 
easy to kind of bring on board. They know who we are. They know how we operate. They know what our culture is. Um, so looking to just grow people from within um, and just always having people on the back burner. This way we don't have to, you know, fire, hire someone because the business needs help. Yeah. When, when do you know when you need to add a person? And that's something that I think I've, I've talked the most to people who either manage businesses, whether it be fitness or not, um, or even in, in our own facility. Like I always, I know for me, I have like a certain point, like I need the business to show me that it needs a person. But I'm curious on your point of view, like when did you know, or when do you know, okay, Team Mojo needs to add another body. We're growing whatever it might be that you look for. What does that process look like for you? So I look at that process a couple of different ways. Uh, The first way one would be availability, right? If we have programs that are running and we have coaches who are becoming busier or coaches who are becoming unavailable and we want to continue to have that program running, um, obviously we need to look to hire someone else to start to foster and continue to operate our, our existing programs. So just for, from a, a perspective of, hey, everyone's getting pretty busy. They can't really take much more on their plate. They're actually looking to kind of alleviate some things off of their plate. Great. We need to start to develop someone who could s- start to build their base, build their career with, um, with these programs that people are looking to kind of alleviate off their schedule. So from that perspective, would probably be the um, immediate, like, whoa, like we're getting really busy from a coaching perspective, from an administrative or managerial perspective, it's sitting down with the manager and saying like, Hey, what have you, what are you doing? What are you spending your time on? Um, do we feel like we're doing things that we can kind of outsource out that are going to help free up some time for you to be more productive and working on the bigger things that are more important for the business? So that just comes down to having a conversation and more meetings with your team. And for us, it was like, all right, Nicole was, you know, kind of spread thin. She had a lot going on. Let's, let's look at some responsibilities that we can delegate down and let's develop and bring someone in who, who can handle some of these responsibilities. Um, so we have an administrative assistant for Nicole, who was also a client of mine prior to her employment here. She just became a certified personal trainer. So that's the other thing. We look for people who can have some, some business agility, people who can help out administratively and help out with some, some things in the, uh, you know, business component, uh, but also someone who can kind of step out onto the floor and coach as well. So that versatility is a huge plus for us. We have four of us who can kind of, Hey, put me on the coaching floor and I'll be strong there. Put me in the office and I'm strong there and I'm comfortable. So from a coaching and a, and a administrative perspective, what, what's slipping through the cracks? Do we feel like we're kind of overworked because we're growing? Um, and where can we start to delegate and start to develop more people and give them some of these responsibilities? And then also just looking at like, you know, knowing your numbers as a business owner is huge, right? Can you afford to take on uh, more payroll expenses? Um, you know, and I don't really like to call it payroll expenses. I look at all of my staff as investments. Each one of my staff members is a profit center. They're pretty much, you know, incentivized to, to grow themselves, to grow the business. So if they continue to grow themselves, if they continue to grow their business, then obviously it's going to reflect well for the company as a whole. Um, but that's the other perspective you can look at is say, hey, like this is, this is where we need help. This is 
this is what our budget is to bring out a new hire. This is what can, we can afford, whether it's bringing out someone part-time for, you know, a few, few bucks an hour, or whether it's like, Hey, we need someone who's like full-time and this is what their salary is going to be. Um, but again, knowing your numbers is going to help you kind of make a strategic decision as opposed to, Whoa, uh, we need this to get done. Um, let's pay someone to do it, but not knowing how that's going to impact your profit and loss statement. Um, you know, at the end of the month, at the end of the quarter. Have you, and this is something that actually used to plague our business uh, a few years ago. And I thought it was extremely reactionary as to how it was handled. Like what, how do you avoid like a surge month? Meaning like we were just talking before this was on, um, like your June was massive. And like, I feel like for some, some business owners, managers, directors of departments, all of a sudden you see you have a huge month and you're like, Oh shit. How am I going to service all of these sessions, all of these clients, all of these programs? I need to hire someone. Then all of a sudden a month like August comes, which is a notorious slower month for, um, you know, for the industry, uh, fitness industry in general. And now you're stuck maybe overstaffed or you have too many mouths, quote unquote, to feed you know, like how do you kind of resist the reactionary, like, Oh shit, I need to hire someone, but I don't really need to hire someone. Have you ever had that? Uh, I can't say that I have had that because it's having been in the fitness industry for let's say six years before I opened my own business and having worked with student athletes, majority of the time and adults, you, you tend to know what like the cycles are, you know, what like months get busier, you know, what months get a little bit slower. Um, so understanding that when you want to be in this industry, when you want to coach student athletes, when you want to train general population, like it's never going to be a steady state of growth and it's never going to be like a steady state of like decline. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs. That's the industry that we're in. But you know, when you document these things, like my staff historically knows, and I've clearly communicated to them, especially the new ones who haven't been in the industry. Hey, like these are going to be our big heavy months. Expect that like you're going to be busy and you're going to have to work more and you're going to have to work harder. Um, but Hey, these months are going to be a little bit slower. Um, you might not be coaching as much, but like, let's get a little bit busier. Um, doing some, doing some office work, doing some prospecting, doing some backend stuff, something to keep them busy, but to help, you know, build, build their business. So when people want to get back into the training mode, um, they can be busy. So that, that's just something you have to look at from like a big perspective. If you like get into the month of August and it's like, damn, like, why do I have all these people here? You got to look back at the decisions that you made in January and have you looked at like your business from a larger scope? Have you looked at like how you're going to staff for the entire year versus like being reactive? So you got to be proactive about that. And I think it has to be clearly communicated to staff where it's, um, Hey, look, these are our busy months. These, this is what we're going to need from you guys. Um, and these are going to be our slower months. So this is what you guys could focus on. Or, you know, maybe someone's got like, they're trying to figure out when the best time is to plan a vacation or when the best time is to take a day off. Like, Hey, historically, like these months are, are a little bit slower. I think this is the best strategic time for you to kind of take some time for yourself or someone, or if you got two staff members who are like, Hey, I'm thinking about taking like a vacation in June, which is like a super busy time. Hey, like, can we sit and talk about that? Are you flexible on it? You know, we I can't really tell staff when they can't 
take a vacation, but um, you know, there's opportunity costs, right? They're, they're paid when they train. So if they want to take a week off in, in a potential busiest week of the year, um, you know, then that's unfortunate. But when you kind of commit to being in this industry, you commit to the ups and downs that come with it, the seasons that come with it. So you got to kind of develop your, 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 your life outside of that, you know? So for me, I know that like end of July, end of August, like those are good times for me to kind of get away. It's a little bit slower. Um, like October to December, no shot. Um, certain months at the beginning of the year, like January and, and like April, um, you know, challenging time to get away because it's busier. And look, you got to want to be involved when it's busy because the busier your busy season gets, the more you have to kind of trickle into the slower parts of the year. Love it. Yeah. I think that's something that I really want to just touch on you. I know you obviously have plenty of experience in, in that realm, but I just like the hiring questions can always come up, whether, you know, whether it's other Parisi program directors, Parisi owners, facility owners, other departments in the health club I'm in. Like what's something we spent a lot of time talking about is hiring. And I just thought that you got you and you did, you brought some good values to kind of insights is the, the hiring process from a guy who has had to hire a lot of people over the last, especially 18 months. Right. I think you went from like four or five trainers to how many do you have on staff now? There's seven other trainers, eight yeah. total, including myself. Eight total. It's wild. When did you know you had to, and, and this is something that I'd love to talk to you about too. And I think people kind of have a, a misconceived notion of this. You as the business owner, as the guy, as the team, as the Mojo behind team Mojo, when, like, what is your client load look like right now? Like what, what is your involvement in the actual coaching side of the business? So I actually still do a decent amount of coaching. Um, I'll probably train anywhere from three to four hours per day. Um, so I'm, I'm probably still in the area of like, you know, it'll be like 18 to 24 hours of coaching per day. Um, you know, 18 probably uh, per, per week, 18 on the low end, 24 on the higher end. Again, depends on the time of year. Um, but it's because I choose to be. One, it's, yes, it, when I coach and I take on clients, does it have a, a bigger impact on the bottom line of the business? Yes, absolutely. But I'm not taking on, um, you know, more clients. I'm not doing it and neglecting all of the other important facets of the business, right? So, I understand that marketing needs to take place. I understand that client follow-ups need to take place. I understand that someone needs to answer emails. I understand that a lot of things need to take place when, um, when operating a business. So I have strategically placed people around me to help out with not only coaching, but also help out with growing the business and the administrative component of it to allow me the freedom to coach. Like I opened my business because of coaching. I love coaching. Um, and you hear like at this stage of business where well, you really shouldn't be coaching, you should be doing bigger and better things to help like um, grow your business. And that's great. Like I still do that. I, I have, I think very strong time management skills and I'll block out time to, Hey, this, this hour or these few hours are going to be focused on prospecting, focusing on growth, focused on networking, focusing on the organization. But these other hours are going to be focused on coaching, right? Coaching is, coaching is also still working on your business, not necessarily working in 
your business. When I have clients who are helping me generate referrals for team camps and bringing me in, um, you know, five, 10, 15 other clients over a year, right? So I'm coaching, but also building my business, utilizing clients to get referrals. And um, so I think I'm in a good, good spot. I've balanced it out very well, but I also, I have the freedom to, all right, if, if I can't train tomorrow, then I can have all of my sessions covered if need be. Um, if I need to take some days to go travel for some continuing education or do something for the business, then the business is set up to both people-wise handle that adjustment, but also financially be able to handle that adjustment um, as well. So <clears throat> I think I think it comes down to to the owner, right? Some some business owners love coaching and hate growing the business. So they kind of convince themselves like, all right, well, I'm coaching, I'm bringing in more money so they can continue to kind of neglect the other things that need to take place. Um, I at least am aware of it and understand the amount of attention that's needed to kind of fuel each and um, try and balance it out as best as I can, but also position my team to help me out too. Just as, just as the business owner is going to need help alleviating their, their coaching sessions and their clients, the business owner is going to need help growing the business um, as well. So uh, you just got to look at the big picture. What do you enjoy? What do you do? I've seen coaches who've opened gyms and they started to resent coaching and training because of all of the other stuff involved in owning a business, right? So you don't want to do that. Like if you love coaching and you love training, I still think there's a way for you to kind of open a business, put people around you who can help you grow the business and still allow you some time to do what you love to do. Right. Because most, yeah. most, most personal trainers, they'll open a business because they love coaching and they have a lot of clients. Right. But they don't necessarily love focusing on marketing strategy. They don't really focus on, you know, their metrics like leads generated, like prospecting, consultations book, having to make cold calls. They don't really love having to meet with their accountant on a weekly, monthly, quarterly basis and talking about um, budgets. Like personal trainers generally don't want to do all of those things. But when you commit to opening a business, then guess what? Like those become your responsibility. So if you can yep. make yourself aware of those responsibilities, um, but also position people around you who can help you out with those responsibilities, then remember, like, build the business that you want, right? I want to coach. I want to focus on business things. And I want the freedom to step away from my business if I want to take an hour or a day off. Like, you have to build that. It's not going to build itself. If you just continue to take on clients and coach, all that other stuff, you know, it's going to catch up to you. And if you don't pay attention to it, bad things are going to happen. If I'm a personal trainer listening to this and I go, yep, I'm a personal trainer. I have a client roster of 35 individuals. I'm routinely training 30 to 45 sessions a week. Um, I am thinking about opening a business, but I do kind of get lost in the idea of, of the business side of owning a business or, or, you know, opening a business. What are some good resources that you found that you kind of pulled some nuggets from that you can share? So the first thing I would ask them is like most people think they get busy and like the next logical thing is to open a business, right? 
doesn't necessarily have to be it, but if you want to open a business, if that's deeply what you want to do and you're aware of everything that comes along with it, uh, then some of the first things I would do is number one, I would speak with some type of an accountant to a certain capacity so you can kind of get um, a good perspective of what you're in for as far as the financial components of operating a business. Um, I would speak to other business owners, right? So what type of business do you want? What types of clientele do you serve? Who can you access that maybe operates a similar business with similar clientele that you could, you know, ask them for a conversation, even if it costs you, you know, some money, a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, whatever it is. Um, and just tell them to either have some questions prepared to ask them or honestly just say, Hey, running a fitness business, tell me everything you think I need to know and just shut up and listen and start taking notes. Um, so looking at what people can help you out and then look, you're going to have reading and, and textbooks, but you know, I've read a lot of business books. I'm actually in a grad school program right now. And there's a disconnect between what you read versus like what real life experience is going to give you. <laughs> right. I'm sure everyone's heard that before. I'm avoiding, so, avoiding all those questions. Cause right, I, so, I, I feel like you and I could go on a huge rant with that. So um, no, nah, you could, you could bring them in. So, so look, you got to get information from as many resources as possible, but I don't think there's going to be a better resource than someone who's lived it and experienced it um, successfully. And maybe someone who's lived it and experienced it unsuccessfully. And like, why didn't it go well for them? Like what, what are people doing right that's serving them success? And what did people do, you know, incorrectly that maybe, you know, push them towards the end of failure um, and just don't jump into it. I think, I think you have to mentally be ready, but of course, like financially, you have to be ready to do it, right? So even if you're looking to open a facility, um, you know, you're going to have to talk to someone about commercial real estate. Are you going to get a, a retail? Are you going to get warehouse? Are you familiar with the legal terms in a lease? Because I don't know anyone who's read their lease from front to back. I couldn't even pronounce half the stuff in my lease when it was sent to me, um, you know, like, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to be put your way that you maybe aren't familiar with. So do your due diligence, make as many connections, talk to business owners. I'm happy to help and have a conversation with anyone. Um, and then, you know, make a decision. What are the things you want in life? And is opening a business going to be able to provide those things for you? And if it isn't, go for it. Yeah. What's next for Team Moljo? Let me wrap up on that question. Because now that you've been the new space since January, you're closing in on year one new space. What's uh what's in store for year two? So year two, the plan is to really start to explore. We have like a three thousand square foot basement that we can build into. It's got low ceiling, so you know, when we initially took on the space, it was like, well, what do we put down there? Do we put down turf? Do we do like a cycle studio? Uh, you know, so we have a lot more space um, that we could be, could be utilizing. So it's, um, you know, getting through year one, um, you know, clearing the debt that we took on for the relocation. And, you know, it's like, oh, you clear a debt and it's like, all right, what do you want to take on next for debt? Like, what do you want to do? It's like, that's just, <laughs> like you just, that's just how it is. You can never go like a, you can't go more than like a month debt free before you like have to do something else. Um, you know, so it's really putting some brain power behind what we want to do in the basement. 
and you know what that's going to take from a financial perspective what that's going to take from a staffing perspective and also how how that's going to impact the the facility operations are we going to have like a construction issue headache um and then we do have an outdoor space as well that i would like to start to utilize so hopefully by next spring we're kind of into that space and um, utilizing that so again like we're at a point we got a great location um, we're maximizing our current space well but we have a huge basement um, that's included so you know maximize every inch of this space as possible get people busy get the staff kind of hitting their metrics get them feeling kind of bought into hey this is a great spot a great opportunity to continue to, to grow my career um, you know and then in two to three years I would eventually like to you know open a second location you know, who, who, who on the team is ready to become an owner. Uh, we've had conversations about this and, you know, what does that look like? Where's it going to be? What, what new community are we going to serve? So again, their thoughts, there's some planning behind it. Uh, we got to get through year one, have a strong year one. And that, that strong year one will set a foundation for continued success in, in our location. And hopefully staff will be fired up and want to continue to grow not only as a personal trainer, but grow maybe at the organizational level or the ownership level as well. Yeah. Man, it's got to be nice to know you have – how many square feet do you have in the new spot? We have 5,000 square feet up top, and we have – I don't know the exact square footage, but it's got to be like between 25 and three. I think, I think it's, it's 3,000 square feet. It's big. I've seen it. It's big. And then we have the outdoor space. Um which is probably like 15 feet wide and like 35 feet long or something like that. So it's, it's uh, not too bad when you can, you can look at a business and going into year two and be like, yeah, I'm going to add another 25 to 3,500 plus square feet and maximize more revenue, more revenue streams. And that's, that doesn't suck. It doesn't suck. That's, that's the goal, man. That's the goal. So what's uh, where can people find more John Mulder? I know you've got two two previous podcast episodes. If you haven't listened to them, I really recommend it, especially the first one. It's like the episode. It's titled "The Episode All Personal Trainers Should Hear." Um, it's one of the most downloaded episodes of the three things. So I would recommend definitely both. But if you had to start with one, I'd go right to the first one. I believe it's like episode five or something. I'm not sure. Um, where can people find more John Mulder? Uh, shoot me an email, jmoljo at tmoljo.com. You can check out our website, tmoljo.com. We actually just updated it. It's pretty cool. Uh, you can check me out at labfitconsultants.com. I have a fitness business uh, consulting company along with Neil Snyder. Find me on Facebook, John Moljo. Uh, you could shoot us an Instagram uh, message, tmoljo on Instagram. Um, or you could, uh, you know, if you're a VIP, hit up Casey Lee and Casey Lee will send you my digits and <laughs> we can take it from there. John Moljo, always a pleasure, man. You have the residency. I'm sure I'll see you in another handful of episodes. I appreciate you taking the time. Keep it up, man. You're doing great things. Hey guys, it's Casey. Thank you so much for downloading and listening to this week's episode. If you could do me a huge favor, it would really mean a lot to me. If you could go to whatever platform you listen to this to, SoundCloud, Google, iTunes, give a rating, a review, and any comments you want other listeners to know about this podcast, I'd really appreciate it. It really helped me out a lot. Thank you so much. I hope you look forward to the next episode.